Geek Shock. Geek Shock. So many nights I'd sit by the window waiting for someone to sing me her song. Use your inside voice. This is my voice. Oh, man. Fuck. Inside voice. This is what it gets like when I'm my inside. My clean jeans. Inside his... I wait, just what? noticed it, too. I just... I have barbecue <laughs> sauce on my jeans. Why is I'm he clean jeans? They were clean. Mr. Clean jeans? <laughs> Mr. Clean jeans. <laughs> is that Captain Kangaroo character? Mr. Green jeans, actually. Yes. yes. I was just going to say that, but... I figured Andy would be. Where do you get green anyway. jeans? I've never seen green actually, jeans. Actually, it's a scientific reference. The genes actually G E N E S, and uh, there's something about uh, his. I'm just fucking with you. I like it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I got. Nothing. When I was a kid, I had Matt going. We had oh, real entertainment. <laughs> ping pong balls falling from the sky. It was wonderful. Yeah. Well, I really wish I had ping pong balls to drop on you in that moment. That would have been great. That would have been cool. I wish he had ping pong balls because, you know, that, that would change his podcast. Ping pong balls? I thought he said King Kong's balls. Ah! Nobody's heard that old joke? Jesus. Bad. Very, <laughs> very bad. Wait, that was, a, uh, that was a thing? Yeah, that was an old one of those stupid kid jokes. With Makes you. me wonder if they're going to work some kind of a cornball uh, joke like that into the, the Rampage movie that's coming up with oh. Oh, don't Dwayne remind the Rock me. Johnson. I thought old joke maybe Andy meant Pharaoh. I meant Nero. Oh, that's good. Thank you. Yeah, that one made them all laugh at the Parthenon. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 423. I'm Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Old Fact Jack Dandy. Maple Leaf Matt. And we're here to talk Weekend Geek. Gentlemen, what geeky things you do uh, this week? Wait, let me take the Matt roll. I didn't do anything geeky this week, really. No? No, I was sick part of it, so. You're, you're dressed to the nines. You are full suited I, I, right I, now. I, I, I got a real job part-time, so. Yeah. Oh. I came from that. I well, like how he goes, I got a real I job part-time. part-time. I got a real job part-time. Yeah. Part-time. Yeah. part-time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just I, You know, and I said he looked professor, professorial. Yeah. Very much so. Who are you teaching and how, and how are you doing it? Uh, yeah. All the little children. And how yeah. old did you? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, Somewhere Biggs is like, hey, I'm hey. the professor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an editor and writer for the Exhibit City News, which is a trade publication for people that put up exhibits at convention centers. Cool. Yeah. That's, so yeah. did you cover Adult Expo this week then? That's not starts next on week. Wednesday. No, yeah. it starts Wednesday. Wednesday. I, I may be going. I don't know. Though. I've, I've gone to... You better. One convention already, we'll see. And don't you need an ABM. assistant to like carry your <laughs> adventure satchel? I am the assistant, but yeah. God damn it. <sighs> you need a, uh, a PA for, yeah. for the assistant. Someone right. to hold your phone. He needs a fluffer. A, a PAA. So he can fluffer. go, hold the phone, and oh, I'm you like, pers- I am. You mean personal assistant. I thought we were going back to Mr. Microphone. Okay. No, I like what Jeff I'm said, never going back to Mr. <laughs> microphone. <laughs> Stunt cock. <laughs> what? <laughs> Where that I went somewhere from? completely different. <laughs> yeah, you did. He did. You know, in, in orgasm. It's funnier mm-hmm. when it's in context, Andy. Uh, I think it's funnier when yeah. it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. Andy and I shared a moment this week. Oh, wait, I wait, like wait, wait, moments. Did you? Were you there? I don't remember it. <laughs> what? Um, it was funny. We were uh, getting ready to watch football, 
And it lost Todd. Todd's already gone. Football, football, sports, 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 sports. That's where that. But what was on right before was a rerun of Family Guy, and it was the one that Rush Limbaugh appears on, the Excellence in Broadcasting episode. I don't think I ever saw that one. Yeah, and it was really funny because... Andy and I just—it it was sort of a channel stopper, a surf stopper. It was just flip, 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 and then you hear something about Rush Limbaugh, and I'm like, "Oh, well, this ought to be amusing." And then Rush Limbaugh shows up, and I'm like, "God, that guy—that guy's doing Rush Limbaugh's voice real well." And so I'm <laughs> sitting there, I'm laughing. Andy's behind me in the dining room working on something. He occasionally laughs, and finally, I'm like, "Okay, at this point." I mean, this is funny, but right now I just want to watch this to the end to see if it really is Limbaugh. And Eddie's like, yeah, me too. And it was. Yeah. yeah. And then we mentioned it here in front of Jeff, and Jeff oh gave us the entire yeah. history of the episode. Talk about your <laughs> yeah. professorial. Yeah. But um, you uh, had problem with a citation of... I uh, Well, I, I, was, I, had rem- I remembered, like, after that episode came out, like, a lot of conservatives were bashing the the episode because they were saying it made too much fun of Rush Limbaugh and I said that's him he that's him on there he knows he knew what he was getting into I say let him crash no <laughs> but uh and then I thought I had read somewhere somebody had that that somebody had asked Limbaugh about that and he had said well I wasn't happy with my portrayal blah 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 and that McFarland had said well he saw the whole script he knew what it was what it was all about and it was making fun of everybody but i couldn't find any legitimate posts that were or legitimate resources to back up that initial statement so i almost didn't even bring it up just now it's limbaugh because, saving face with his with his crowd well essentially what, what it sounds like to me the the official quotes from limbaugh were that you know you know he does a good job of you know making fun of both sides of the aisle and you know, I am friends with McFarlane, and that's what led me to do the episode, blah, blah, blah. So very non-threatening or non-partisan you know, partisan statements oh. about the show. Those are the only official statements I could find. Okay. So, so but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's... I remember... I, I haven't seen it since it first aired in 2010, and uh, I do seem to remember it. it pokes fun at both liberals and conservatives pretty hard, so... It's not. Uh, in fact, for the most part, most the episode is. Well, I was gonna say it. I would say, in, as a general rule, Family Guy play, makes fun of conservatives. But in this particular episode, it was kind of a flip. They make fun of Brian and his liberalism, and they they really take him to task on that. Because in the episode, Brian actually becomes roommates with with uh, with Rush Limbaugh and becomes like super conservative. He reads his book and becomes a conservative and then yeah. Limbaugh's <laughs> like, you're not really a conservative, you're a liberal at heart. Same way a lot of people do go and read uh, Ayn Rand in college and suddenly become... Uh, yeah, you know. but one of the funnier lines was, was uh, Limbaugh's like, I mean, you know, uh, when they executed a four-year-old in Texas, and Brian goes, they executed a four-year-old in Texas? And he goes, not really, but your concern shows that you're still a liberal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I remember my right-wing Christian days reading Rush Limbaugh books. Oh, oh God. Heck, wow. I, I had both the way things ought to be, and I told you so on audio cassette. Jesus wow. Christ! Until we learned he was just a big hypocrite, and then you know, 
<laughs> I mean, what? Oh, wait, you talking about me or, or yeah. Arsene Wenger? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what, what you actually mentioned, you touched on this a couple weeks ago. What turned you around? Where where did you go? College, you know. So, but but was there? Was <laughs> no, there but even in, in college, you were pretty. Uh, so yeah, but that was the, the the seeds of my my transformation. Okay, so, so it was over time. So it just took some book learning. It took some book learning. It it took some exposure to other cultures and world. ideas. Yeah. One thing I will really applaud University of Evansville for doing is everyone must take uh, these cultures classes. So the first one is uh, exposure to various religions. The second one is various political ideas. And the third one is various uh, literature. And, and these are mandatory for anybody going to University of Evansville. And that kind of laid the seeds for expanding my mind out to other ideas at the time. So, so yes, colleges are a hotbed of liberalism. Or just other ideas, as I like to call it. Well, gr- and growing, <laughs> growing up in conservative states... When you have a brain, does it for you too? Because oh, <laughs> wait a minute. The whole conservative through line is you have a brain. The liberals are the ones what who I have mean, no brains, Jeffy. Just a heart. Okay, fine. No, what, what I heart. mean though is like <laughs> when you have a very logic mind and you're very much into science and you know technology and how the world really works. When you grow up in a state that's very conservative, very Bible belty, you do tend to go start to question things you're like well wait a minute that doesn't make any sense we're all human beings shock therapy for why, you later why tonight. why does where this person come from make a difference as to how i'm supposed to treat them mm-hmm. you know stuff like that but i've, you I've know. said before i'm uh i've been a bleeding heart liberal most of my life but yet there's been some significant scabbing yeah <laughs> <laughs> what else to do gentlemen well andy chipped the scabs off his heart that's yeah, right <laughs> it's kind of terrible Heart scab. It was heart rending. That's the new band. His new band name. Uh, heart scab. Heart scab. Heart scab. Heart scab. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a heart cover band, but they're not union. <laughs> Non-union heart cover band. Let's see. What's that? I idea? can't figure out if that that's a punk band or an emo band. What thing. about yes, love? Indeed. Yes. <laughs> what? What about love? What about love? Hey, no, Andy's please, found his genre. He can yeah, sing. There we go. <laughs> well, you know, no, please if, keep going, Todd. If I you can't can remember t- the next lines, if you can turn "You Light Up My Life" into a punk song, then it any any song can be turned. Has, into has this a, been done? Oh yeah, he did it. Yeah, I excellent. have it. I have it somewhere. Excellent. I probably have it somewhere too. It's in the lost. Uh, but the but lost. see the I, difference I, is I, I have it on a CD somewhere. <laughs> I need to put that up and sell it. Like Paul's selling his uh, the song you did. Uh, licensing issues. Yeah. I mean, I, I really, you could kind of take it into parody uh, parody yeah, law just route. You but pay the cover fee. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I, I I had it on the original album until I started selling them, and then I took it off. When I was yeah. giving it away ah. as a demo, then when I started selling them, I had to remove it. Ah. Replaced it with a you know a B track. Well, I know what I want to hear this show start with. <laughs> oh god uh, maybe if i can dig it up i, I, pro- I promised the monkeys I'd, I'd play in one of my songs oh wait that's i remember now your your b track was like you write up my life right <laughs> what, what is sort that the of, japanese version yeah sort of a, <laughs> a, a goodbye to your right wing days 
Ah, it's a theme. Got yeah, it. See, I wasn't being racist, folks. <laughs> right. That was the other liberals on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Goddamn liberals. Oh, now you're putting the camera on yeah, me? Actually, it's not on. You know, we're going to say something funny. Uh, what? Please. Yeah. Why did you? <laughs> I heard, I heard wow. three states of something funny. That's what I just heard. Yeah. Get the wax out of your no. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's your fault, Matt. That's right, Matt. <laughs> it's uh, your fault. You can't I understand it from you. my mumbles. <laughs> <laughs> what else you do, gentlemen? What did I do? What you do? Um, I added some things to my Netflix queue. That's, that, that's really always a fun key. little journey, though. Oh, yeah. I did that too. I added some things to my Netflix queue. I finally finished out. <laughs> I went back and watched all of the. Uh, Toys that made us episodes. Bong, bong. God damn! I also watched the not not necessarily geeky, but I watched the uh, the documentary about sh- the band Chicago. That was oh. really fascinating. There's a documentary on Chicago. There's a documentary. It's in Netflix. I watched it. It's it's only about an hour and forty five minutes, but uh, it was really too. fascinating considering how many lineup changes they've had. Um, more so in the late seventies early 80s through like today sure but the, that's I think, a long time well now. they've had like the three original members have stayed with it from very the very beginning till now but everybody else is like come and gone and how apparently like you know when satara left satara it ain't chicago without Pete. started blaming ah, yes. them even though he left on his own accord and the peter terrorists yeah right <laughs> the terrorists but uh, it's that, it was really fascinating. I love rock documentaries, especially oh, yes. especially when you get the people that were involved in that interview situation where they're you know. Well, just they so you start. Know, they also have one on Rush as well. Oh yeah, I've watched it. Oh, okay. Beyond the Lighted Stage. Yes. And then there's another one that was just on uh, HBO or Showtime recently that was about the their the final tour, which I'm still mad I didn't get a chance to catch that when oh, it was at uh, MGM. Yeah, heart scab. Yeah, uh, final tour. But uh, but yeah, like it, I, until I love, now, I only got by on my own. I've never really cared until I met you. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know if I can follow that. <laughs> wow! <laughs> Did you just get like possessed? Like <laughs> I was inspired. He, was heart, heart heart he channeled. Yeah. He channeled Nathan Explosion Andy, from Metalocalypse. Andy is there. Todd's muse. <laughs> oh God! It's like a Pollock. Let, <laughs> like a fucking let a that Pollock that. or a Pollock. Po- whatever. <laughs> Your artsy art terms. Pollock. No, whatever. I'm, he's, he's, he's a Pollock. Pollock. He's a Pollock. <laughs> Andy is Todd's artistic Pollock. <laughs> <laughs> that makes so much sense to me. <laughs> Is it benign? Is it malignant? Should uh, it be removed? Should we leave it? I think right. it's juicy. <laughs> yeah. No, we got myself as juicy. With- <laughs> oh, God. Good job, Matt. I blame this on you. No, but with these documentaries, I, I'm, I'm always amazed when people are brutally honest with themselves and with the interviewer. Like, a lot of times, you know, the. You just want to see the person that's delivering the question off camera. You want to see their face react when they get like an honest answer to their question. Because even even in the Toys That Made Us documentary, like some of these answers these guys get gave, were, you could clearly tell the interviewer was not expecting those responses. Oh, I'm pretty sure there's yeah, there's more one than one in there. Where, yeah, they they played again at the end of the episode. They're like, this is so stupid. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But yeah, just that reminds me. Um, there is a point in the UK. Shit. There is a Godzilla 
anime on UK? Netflix. Yeah, yeah, I was going to report on that. Jake Godbold uh, assigned me to want, and because I love you know Jake, I I did it. I you know anime Godzilla it, that doesn't hold any interest. You love for Jake? Me, I so. thought you loved Godzilla. Yeah, well, you know. Okay. Did you watch it or no? That's just to keep my nerd cred. Okay. Get to the point. Yeah, I did. Wow. He's right. Get to the fucking monkey. That's the question. I added it to my queue. (laughs) Oh, okay, good. You added it to your queue. As I like to call it, purgatory. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I'm going through it this this weekend, and I'm like, I'm never going to finish any of this. Like, not all of it. Right, yeah. all of it it's just that's that's been a consistent theme with me like i'll go on netflix i'll see something that interests me and i'll watch it right away but if i'm going through and adding stuff to my queue just like todd said it's like it's like queue purgatory it's like these are things that will never be watched i i have like once or twice over the last year gone through and watched something in my queue and then removed it one of the 300 things yeah yeah, there's a lot of stuff in my queue that I'm just like. I'm just hoping they just remove it. I don't remember what it is. It's like, oh well, I mean, yeah, that <laughs> happens. I'll Meanwhile, go through my queue and there's stuff gone. Something I noticed though when I was going through it last night was that um, when I was doing searches for things that I'd be interested in and going through the different categories, I wasn't coming up with things that I was trying to find. But then all of a sudden, I went onto my list and there were things that were in my list that were still available for streaming, but weren't coming up in the various categories when you look at the entire list of like documentaries and <laughs> it's probably like, that's a netflix weird. algorithm where it's like it might eh, be. he hasn't looked at this queue in a while so he's not interested in this shit might be i don't know but uh, it's 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 weird excuse me it's what de- is that noise uh it's yeah, andy his phone what's that noise or beep yeah no and there's like it like, was a ding that was probably my phone. No, and there's like heavy breathing or something. Facebook Someone messaging. Oh, that's just Andy. Andy. Someone's gonna have a heart attack here. Or what? Who? Who's? This is coming from the one guy who doesn't have earphones. Right. <laughs> we don't hear it. Andy's having some sinus issues. Yeah, that too. Okay, that was probably it. it. Nobody can hear it but you apparently. No, yeah. Okay. Didn't take his. It's driving me insane. <laughs> that that's the that's the message notification. Operation Gaslight is working. <laughs> <laughs> But Godzilla's weird. It's uh, it's an, it it's it is it is a little bizarre. I so. watched the trailer for it. It is very anime. Yeah, yeah I mean yeah. like extreme, mm-hmm. like screaming, and you're like what you're reading oh, yeah, the yeah. subtitles and you're going, is that really what he's saying? Yeah, you I got you I got the Japanese. angsty you got the angsty young guy who and does the yep. open mouth. The, the the anime thing of the open mouth gritting of the teeth. I don't know how they accomplish it, but that's exactly what it is. No, it's open though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, the for the viewers out there, Andy was trying to illustrate for me. But um, viewers, wow, Listeners. you guys, you guys do that every time. I know. Yeah, camera right there. All right, come on. Okay, so, so we're, stream, we're streaming this live, right? It's interesting. Yeah. It's cool. Cool uh, cool concepts on Godzilla. Very weird take because it's like it's not it's not now. It's not taking place today. Okay, so when's it taking like place? Near future, right? Yeah, it's in the future. In the far future. Oh, oh. far future. Okay. Godzilla and the kaiju are destroying everything. So humanity, and this is the backstory. This isn't the episode. Humanity goes to the stars because an alien race showed up. Exactly. Okay, I didn't catch any of that yeah. in the trailer. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. It's really funny because the, the aliens show up and they're like, "We, we, we would, 
you know, humans, our world was destroyed by a black hole. We would like to settle on your... Oh, fuck, Godzilla! (laughs) (laughs) You sold me with that log line. (laughs) (laughs) And so... Yeah, sure, settle in Japan. Yeah, so the the humans, the humans as Godzilla... Because Godzilla actually destroys the world. It's not like they actually can defeat him or anything. So the humanity kind of gets on the... A big giant ship with the aliens and they leave and after 20 some odd years of rolling around the ga- uh, actually not the galaxy but just the local star group okay they they they, they go out about 11 light years they're like uh there are no sh- there are no planets for us to go to and we're running out of resources so let's try to go back to oh, earth okay but because it's really funny. The, they actually play a little science fiction because of time dilation. The 20 years that they've been in space have been thousands of years on Earth. So they're like, maybe Godzilla's dead? <laughs> Old age. <laughs> yeah. So they go back and, uh, well, you know, you can guess kind of what happens. What happens in the uh, next 10 minutes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, it's really funny because it's it's really really dense exposition. And Andy Andy is right that what I just told you was how long was it? it was I, didn't, a, I was only saw, I only saw God, the end it was, of it. Unfortunately, well, I'm glad I yeah. I'm glad I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. Jesus Christ, uh, I think it was like an hour and a half. It says part one. So part, a, yes, that's okay. the other thing. It's only one episode. An hour and a half long It finishes, and Andy's like, oh, okay, so what happens next? It's right on a cliffhanger. Well, I don't want to watch it now. And then I go to the episodes list, and, oh, that's the only episode. And Andy's like, what the fuck? (laughs) I was was a little miffed. (laughs) I I hope so. They're probably going to add the second part. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I don't know when. I mean, maybe they're still doing it. I, I hope it's not like, well, we'll see how it does, and then maybe we'll do it. Because it's interesting. It's weird. Nice, uh, nice anime graphics. I like the depiction. They do some explanation of what his atomic breath is and why he can take all of this, you know, ti- uh, uh, ginormous uh, uh, physical uh, uh, damage. Uh, oh, okay. Is that what now. was doing it? That- yeah, it's out of the way now. So it, it's actually fun. It's actually fun. There was one cool part, right? Thousands of years in the future, and they come across ruins. It's like vegetation and land masses shaped like buildings. And, of course, I watch Life After People, so I know ah, yes. that wouldn't happen. And the guy's like, oh, the lichen that grew on the buildings fossilized. And that's why this has retained its shape after thousands of years. Oh, and so I was like, like son of a bitch. That's, <laughs> that's, some, you know, that's some smart teenager science fictional thinking right there. <laughs> so, it, you know. It's fun. You're like, aha! Uh, I've watched Life After Pete. Oh. Yeah. Oh, shit. So did they. Okay. So, but yeah, it was. It, it, you know, it it it's fun, and there will be that they hint. They they didn't show it. I, I'm spoil but spoilers by the way. Yeah, spoiler uh, all over the place, man. No, 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 no. They hint at a Mecha Godzilla. Oh, it's what? like they evacuate Earth when they're like, we're about to start the Mecha Godzilla. We don't have time. Run! Oh God! And they ran. So it's like you know. Did they run so far away? Uh, really, five hundred miles. Eh. Oh God! <laughs> wow! Wait, and, and then, but they, but they only walked the five hundred miles, right? <laughs> and then five hundred more. 
Yeah, there we go. Okay, uh, good. Okay. You both got it. All right, so, yeah, so you know God, Mecha Godzilla is somewhere waiting to be activated. You know, that, that's got to be a plot line in a future episode. And if not, bong! But, uh, yeah, so, it, you know... It's anime. It's fun. I don't. Well, know I like a saying. good kaiju Godzilla monster. Yeah, it's stuff, just it, so. there's not my, major criticism. Not enough. What's what's Mega Godzilla like after being dormant for a thousand years? Lichen covered. Yeah, yeah, there you go. The lichen fossilized. fossilized. Yeah. fossilized. Ah. It'll be a giant walking rock. He's probably like oil coon. Oil coon. Just put that down anywhere, Andy. I didn't I do it. That. Yeah, you did. Your your oh. your cord oh, wire, your wire cord did. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. did that. Fortunately, it was empty. I wouldn't be able to knock it over. I was full. Yes, you would have. <laughs> You'd have found a way. <laughs> I have life. Andy finds <laughs> a way. I was just gonna okay. say. Yeah. It's, just, it's like, don't you remember Doctor Grant in Jurassic Park? <laughs> life Actually, after sorry, people. Was, uh, life after Andy. Boom, Jeff boom. Goldblum. <laughs> Crash bang. Great. Spill. 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 I'm more like the ones that knock down the whole roll of bricks and then they yeah. fight themselves out. And, and it's perfect. Backwards. It's like, wow. <laughs> Thank God Andy was here. He's like, he's like Mr. Oh. Bean. He goes through a museum, cra- trashes everything, but somehow gets out on the other side unscathed. Or, or, or aware. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what else you do, guys? <laughs> well, I played um, Evil Within 2. Oh, oh my. Okay. Um, after. Mind you, I didn't play Evil Within one, so I that didn't would realize seem like a major. You know what? They sent it to me on one of those times where I just wasn't in the mood. Every now and then, Netflix will send me something on my queue that I'll start it up. I'm like, I'm just gameplay? not in the mood for a survival horror game right now, and ship it back. That sounds like a mood based thing. Yeah, you mean GameFly, right? What did I say? Netflix. Netflix. Oh wow! I didn't realize they God had those. Damn. So you're missing a huge chunk of the plot. Probably, right? Well, I went on to Wikipedia to fill myself in, uh, you know, read, read up the plot. Fill yourself within? Nay. <laughs> hey, with, with, with what? Fill with what? With what? Evil? Evil? Oh, yes. Evil. And cream filling. That is, uh, at least the first game, that is a nutso plot. Absolutely. After I was done reading it, I'm like, what? What happened in this game? This, that's not where I expected this to go. I didn't expect it to be sci-fi. When no, I'm a horror game, but that's what it is. Evil Within is horror matrix. Hmm. So it's an a fully like Black Mirror type thing AI created world that if you go into it and you die within it, then you are dead for real. And they send in a group in there in this constructed uh, small town world that was supposed to be nice and idyllic, and somehow based on your daughter who you thought died in a fire but that was really stolen by mobius this weird underground group that to be the runs core this of machine, the new machine. <laughs> and yeah to be the core of the machine oh surprise your daughter's alive oh and we used her innocence to build this small town which is now collapsing in upon itself so go rescue your daughter and all the soldiers we sent in <laughs> that's the plot of part two huh. and in looking at it the whole daughter thing didn't happen in part one so so this is the bridge. I, I I can't even fathom one, but I am enjoying part two. I, I don't know if one ended up being as open world as this one is, because you get a lot of options of what you want to do and where you want to go, but it's still survival horror, so you got to take it slow. But a lot of fun. You can, it's one of those things where you can choose how to go after something. You want to go with violence, you want to go with stealth. 
so on. Of course, you know, if you want to go with violence, boy, you better know what you're doing because you are not strong and they are extremely strong, whatever you're fighting. Doesn't matter what it is. Zombie, huh. super strong. <laughs> you know, you mentioned Black Mirror, Matt, and that reminded me that uh, uh, while I was going through my Netflix stuff this last week, I watched the USS Callister episode of Black Mirror. That's a very fun little episode. That's the Star Trek-y one, right? Yes. It's uh, essentially, it's it takes place in the near future in this world where there's this uh, VR platform. Great show. Or I should say uh, augmented reality platform. Like you, Fun! You put this little sensor on your head and you go into this computer-generated dreamscape Like kind of I thing. do on Star Trek Bridge Commander on Sony VR. But uh, uh, anyway. That, by the way? Sorry, it, Jeff. That's okay. I, you know what? I haven't taken a full deep dive into it, but what I have played has been really neat. Yeah, I'm thinking about dropping on that. Seven hundred for the life. I know membership. it's it's gonna <laughs> it's gonna hurt the wallet. Oh, you mean the whole VR thing in general? Just for I that. love the VR thing. Just in for general. that. Just for that. The Bridge yeah. Commander. Bridge Commander is, is one of their best efforts. If I wasn't afraid it was going to make him blind, I would I would want us to put Andy through VR again. But after the last time, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we all almost, he almost lost an eye. Yeah, I know. I want to take the risk. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's your answer. All right. I want I want to watch him play the Batman game alone. Oh yeah. wow. Oh God. Oh gee. Oh yeah. Hey. Oh, you sound like Stewie watching uh, something on the internet or something. What's she doing? Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and I also started playing this game. I think it's called Rollers of the Realm or something uh-huh. like that. Rollers? of the Yeah, it's a Rolling, pinball oh, RPG. Oh, what? Yeah, it was on yeah. Sony sale. Boy, like, that's your up your wheel. Right? Up your wheelhouse? It's up my wheel. Oh. Yeah, it's up my, it's up my house. That hurts. And, With a cucumber. It was like three bucks on flash sale, so I, I grabbed it, and it's been a lot of fun. Every ball represents a character. Each ball has its own strengths and weaknesses and special power, and if you lose the ball, you lose the character, and you have to choose somebody else. Until uh, but, you heal that. Uh, if you have, if your healer's still alive, you can revive characters. You have to heal your balls. You do. <laughs> you got. Yeah, I got to take care of your balls. You got to make sure, sure they're. You got to make sure they're experienced. Got to cradle them. Like a little bird, but it's it's a lot of fun. You, get, you fight, you know, monsters within the battlefield and so on. And every step along the way in the adventure is a whole new table. Wow, so, that's an interesting concept. Yeah. It's a yeah, it was really fun. I've probably gone back to that one as much as I went to uh, Evil <laughs> Within. So I'm enjoying both. Part two, part, part two. two, nice. I went and saw Jumanji. Oh, good. The How number one film three weeks in a row. It was a lot of fun. I liked their take on it now being a video game. Yeah, that was a smart so, move. That was a smart move. Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, Kevin like Hart, a, funny as ever. Yeah, what? I was going to say, it's like up to, ni- you know, whatever you guys think about Rotten Tomatoes. Is it's up to like 93% fresh on nine, on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, it, it's which, fun. Which surprised me because, you know, a lot of remakes, reboots, etc. don't do well. With the critics, but this one apparently is. Yeah, but they did this right, though. It's like it's it's done done well. They waited thirty years. Hey yo, been that long? No, it's been like twenty. I don't think it's even been that long. No, it's been. Uh, uh, Come on, Andy, get on it. I'm on it. Grab six, I believe. Ninety-five. Whatever you're grabbing there. Yeah, it's had to have been at least twenty years. What the hell are you doing? It's got to be. I don't know what he's doing. Is your phone on the table? It's over here in my pocket. Jeff, get ready to learn how old you are. Uh-oh. It's 20 years. Not unless Jeff learns it 
first. Wait a minute. <laughs> wow, Andy, Andy that was quick. What you he's already on it. He's already oh, on okay. it. He's well into it. No, 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 no. We're bringing the funny. Yeah, yeah. 95. Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's 23 years boom, ago. Boom, bam, pow, bam. biff. That's almost 30. And uh, Robin Williams' character is mentioned. Back in the off, movie. Biff. I'm sorry, Marty. <laughs> Has he's mentioned? Mm-hmm. He, I don't want to spoil it. Has anyone seen it? No. 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 You're the one just battle that has. I thought about going to see it this weekend, but I just I got too much stuff going on here. I didn't. Okay, it. it won't be a spoiler. Um, I knew it. I knew he would. He'd it. break it. One of the it. characters is hanging out in uh, a hut that's been made already. Uh, when you're talking about Robin Williams, don't say hanging out. Wow. wow! God damn it! Wow! God damn it! And he, you know, and I goes, thought of a couple, and I'm like, no, no. I thought I had the not most horrible joke of the show already. Yeah, but, no. And some of the but characters you, say, "Did you make this yourself?" He goes, "No, this is here before. This is uh, Alan Parrish's hut, which is the character's name in right. um, the, the kid." Yeah, little wink and a nod. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Wow! Nod. <laughs> I get kind of a dark streak sometimes. Sometimes a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you don't say. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And all the supporting cast is like NPCs. Yeah. So they only have like one uh, one line. Like they'll ask some questions and they'll say the same line over again. And no, over that's again. funny. And over and they're like, "What the hell?" And they're like, oh, "It's a quest giver, like a video game." Yeah. 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 So it's pretty. It's pretty that's fun. Pretty I'd, I'd recommend going to see it. It's good. I'm I'm gonna, video game meta jokes. Yeah. I can dig on that. Um, that's right. great. You've convinced me, but I'll probably wait till it comes in. And they have health bars on their arm. Yeah. Fun. I saw well, that the cast all apparently had fun making it, too, so that always translates well. Well, it's done screen. so friggin' well, you're bound to get a sequel. Yeah. There you go. I would imagine. It was done well. I, it's actually I, did some stuff. There the you bell. go. Look at that. Uh, wow. Son of Beach. Somebody actually listened to the 80s Jeff PR firm. Wow. <laughs> Good to know. I started reading a new book. It took me. I, I started so many books, just just could not get the engine revving on each one. I probably started about four different books. It's gonna come a point 20, where you're twenty reading. pages in, and then I'm like, nah, not this. Something else. Is there gonna come a point where you're one page into three hundred books? <laughs> I'm already there. <laughs> um, so, I, but I wanted to find something that was quick. You know, some about three hundred pages because you know it's we're about time to nominate a book for February for oh the book god. club. Oh my god! So that's you know, what that noise is. Can... It's not Andy. It's the hum of your server room for all your digital books. <laughs> that's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, in my penchant for wanting to read things before they come out on either TV or film. I have chosen the uh, 800 page for some reason, uh, The Terror by Dan Simmons, which is a historical style telling of a, an actual historical event with a fictional edge thrown in. The HMS Terror, the HMS Erebus, two ships from England that were trying to find the, the uh, Northwest Passage right. through the Arctic. Uh, both ships disappeared. Uh, both of them found in the last 10 years. Yeah. One of them found a year and a half ago. Right, in a bottom of a lake, right? Uh, in, in a bay. Yeah, bay. <laughs> oh, ow, <laughs> ow, Andy, ow. Yeah. Fact check got fact checked. Bottom in a lake? Cause, cause bottom it, of a lake? They were, you know, <laughs> the, la- launching these, these great HMS ships <laughs> in the lake. I love Andy's confusion. It's great. And I love that Matt's really loving it. Yeah. Okay. You know, so, no, 
Antony up north, they know all about bays and lakes. Big time, so, yeah. big yeah. time. Yeah. Don't just gotta go to Michigan, man. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Donut, donut, donut. Max, Max Allen Dona. Collins had a couple books like that where he took like a murder on the Hindenburg and murder on the Titanic and like. Mix in the real events with a murder mystery. But this is Dan Simmons, science yeah. fiction and horror writer. Right. So he took this actual event of these two groups that died most likely. It's, it looks like historically died when they abandoned their ships because they were ice locked. Ice locked, yeah. Started going across land and then ended up having to eat each other. And nobody survived. Yeah, that last guy. What the fuck's he going to eat? Yeah. Better not uh, start well, have with you re- Have you read Stephen King's Auto Survivor page. type? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but what Dan Simmons throws in is a monster. So, Yay! so in March, I believe it's on TBS. They're doing a mini series based on this novel. So I wanted to knock the novel out before the series came out. Why would you name your ship the Terror? It was very successful until that point. Oh. There you go. It was the Terror of the Bay. Sure, it's like the HMS which Victory. Is, which the is second like you lit. lose, son of a bitch. But it is really cool <laughs> to read a, a novel with actual historical people. Yeah. Because you can actually look at like drawings and paintings of these people. Yeah. When, so you go on a Wikipedia and go, all right, what's the history of this guy before all this? And it's 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 fun to do the expanded universe version, I guess, while you're reading. Hmm. So, Until uh, Disney buys it and declares it all legends and they start over again. You right. know, speaking of, of writers... Uh, Something that just that happened to me uh, a few days ago. I watched Fanboys again. I don't know if you guys have all seen that movie. Yeah, I think uh, a long time ago. Uh, basic plot is that there's a cu- group of kids that are fanboys of Star Wars, and they get older, and you know they kind of drift apart. But one of them is stricken with cancer, and so the plot is that they, in 1998, I believe it was they decide that they're going to go cross-country oh, yeah. to uh, yeah. Skywalker Ranch and try to steal the uh, copy of uh, Episode One, The Phantom yeah. Menace, before he he dies. Well, um, I had never seen the theatrical version, which is the one where they cut out most of the cancer references. I had really? only seen the version on Blu-ray when I bought it. So I knew the original story as it was written by Ernest Cline, oh. who I did not know. Wow. You know, I've I've owned the thing for years now, and and somehow just had escaped me that Ernest Cline of Ready Player One fame had written not only the story that the movie was based on, but also the screenplay, co-written it with like Evan Goldberg, who is uh, often partnered up with uh, Seth uh, uh, Rogan. Rogan, McFarlane. thank you. Somebody, I, I started I started to go green in McFarland, <laughs> and I was like, no, it's uh, the other one, but Seth uh, Graham Smith. But yeah, uh, I. I was really disappointed in the theatrical version because I didn't feel like it had the same heart as the the version that you get on the Blu-ray, which is the original as they they they, they took around to festivals and screened. But oh. if you've never seen it, it's a fun little film. There's a lot of cameos in it. A lot of cameos in there. I, I'm... I'm- uh, I, I, I guess I kind of get it in a way, but I'm kind of surprised at all the Ready Player One hate out there. There's a lot. It's really? weird. Yeah, especially for a movie that's not even out yet. I'm not talking about the even the oh, movie. Talking I'm talking the about book. the book. Like, oh, okay. like there are people that are like I, I I hate this book. It's horribly written. Blah 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 blah. Is I, that like I, people I, that never have lived through the '80s? I have a theory. It is this book is for a specific time and period, and certain person grew up within this X yeah. part of the '80s. And if you didn't grow in that time, it maybe it doesn't speak to you as much. 
it's possible. Yeah. I know that Spielberg. Uh, Millennials I was are just, like, where's my toast and avocado? I was just watching a thing on HBO with him the other night. It was one of those little five-minute <laughs> clip things where he was talking about how excited he was to do the movie, and because of how much he liked the book, he brought Ernest Klein in, and he said, he's like, I was constantly checking with him to make sure that thematically we were staying within. He's like, we couldn't do everything that they did in the book, but at least thematically for our story intents and purposes that we were following the feel of his book, and he said he was very great contributor to this and i was like well that's cool yeah it it's funny i um sometimes a a decade you know seems universal but it actually does mean different things to different people i remember talking to some friends of mine who are really into music uh that to me simple minds uh don't you forget about me Mm -hmm. is the quintessential 80s song that is the 80s musically and there are a lot of people i talk to who just look at me weird some of them will go to like hair metal and some will go to, you know, other types of music genres that that were up in the 80s. Sure. Well, yeah, where, it, where, it where definitely it really depends on something to them. What chunk of the 80s you're talking about, because definitely you're talking about late 80s. Hair metal was everywhere mm-hmm. um, towards the mid. It was tended to be more synth pop. And then the early 80s. Really weird fusion of new wave or new arena wave, rock. Yeah, right, right. New wave arena rock sprinklings of synth pop before and, they and, really started to figure out what to do with the keyboards. Yeah, and it was really funny because for me, it's not even so much a genre definition. Like you know, the, the feel, the simple minds. You know, the use of the the use of rev, uh, the uh, echo um, reverb. Uh, yeah, reverb. Thank mm-hmm. you. Vocal reverb and the use of keyboards right. where they. Like you said, they're trying to figure out what they're doing is, is for me, has a lot to do with it. It's less about any specific genre and more about, you know, that kind of sound. Yeah, and, and it's, it's difficult to try to put an entire decade's worth of music down to this one song represents yeah, all of it because right. there's so many different layers. Yeah. And, and I mean, and, and that's something genre. that I've known for a long time and I learned even more when I took my music classes that I had to take for my degree back in college is it started getting exposed to a lot more things, a lot more international and, you know, you know, ethnic music and so forth from different countries. And that really, you start to go, Oh, so those drum beats that are in this rock song were inspired by this, you know, Aboriginal tribe drumming and so forth. Like all these different things. And you're just like, wow. And that's not even getting into like with uh, Paul Simon and his, you know, fusing of all these right, different, sure. you know, ethnic music I, uh, I, styles together. This but. goes down a rabbit hole because now this is making me think of a thing I found on YouTube. Kids listen to. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And, you know, Those kids are listen brilliant. to Led Zeppelin and stuff like that. And it's really, really, it's really interesting. They have other ones too where like kids play Nintendo. Like they had them playing the original oh. Nintendo <laughs> Entertainment System. And, uh, the one that sticks out to me, though, is when they're playing Atari. Like, they bring out an old Atari 2600, and they pop the cartridge in, and people are like, this is what you guys had to play when you were my age? <laughs> it's like, I, and they're, so like they're trying to figure it out, and like it's like, well, this is kind of fun. And then and they're like, how, how do you get the character to, to turn around, and how do you get it to do like this and that? And then... It's really fascinating. Yeah. That that series is really, really interesting on, I, I on YouTube. I think the only way I could equate it, because, you know, 
a lot of us grew up with that video game era. Right. That, you know, started with Atari, like we saw the whole thing. I think the best way we can equate that how those kids saw it is how I feel about Shirley Temple movies when I was a kid. Ah. Right. Because that was something that for some reason my mom and dad thought that I'd really enjoy. Your Shirley Temple movies on. You know, this is boring as shit. My mom yeah. loved them and I couldn't get into them yeah. at yeah. all. So so I think that's the equation right here. I don't go chip. Lollipop. Now you do. Uh, I know Shirley. She's Shirley, cool. yeah, Before you, she was an ambassador. No, no, I mean back when she was. Yeah, no, before you, she you was two hung out, hung out as kids, yeah, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Her, me, Mickey Rooney. Yeah. Ah, uh, Mickey. <laughs> Silent Night, Deadly Night 4, starring Mickey Rooney. Now, that's a movie. That's a movie. Yeah, this when I, talking about being born into the 80s, uh, this meme that I came across, and I had saved it, I had forgotten about it until just now, and it says, you merely adopted gaming. I was born into it, molded by it. I didn't see a wireless controller until I was already a man. <laughs> <laughs> it, it cracked me up. I had to save it. I saved it on my phone, but... Yeah, that's yeah. little uh, bane. From- I remember getting a uh, getting a Betamax VCR, and the guy was was all like, "Do you want a remote control?" And my dad was like, "No, I got him." And he points to me because he didn't need a remote control. I could get up and go across the room and operate it. You know, yep, but that's a that is so apparent thing. Yeah, because they that my dad said something similar and. Uh, we had a, a dishwasher that was broken, like for my entire, like childhood and teens. And we got a Jeff for that. It, that's that's what my dad said. <laughs> Wash like, it, boy. When like when people would say, "Why don't you Kansas. fix the dishwasher?" and he says, "Why? I've already got two of them that work just fine. Their right. names are Christy and, and Jeffrey. Yeah. You know, my two you know my two kids here. Somewhere to major med that has children just so he has spare parts. <laughs> but, but it, it was also funny because back then the remotes were cords. Big, ah, thick yes. cords, like as about as thick as the power cord for the console. They were. buttons on and, top. Yeah, and you had to run it, you know, across the room. And my dad was uh, pretty much Andy level in terms of clumsy. <laughs> oh, no. There, there's nothing he couldn't walk across the floor and his feet would not catch on. So there were plenty of times when he was tearing the cord out of the VCR, pulling the VCR off the shelf, you know, whacking it around and everything. And it was really funny because I remember when wireless finally came out, they were like thankful. You know but, that uh, we had the very first TV that we had that had a remote control. We got uh, it was an old Admiral TV, which nobody's going to remember that brand. It's long since gone. I remember it. Uh, <laughs> you were there when they developed it. Yeah, with Charlie Temple. I knew the Admiral. So <laughs> the the remote control was an add-on to the TV. I remember we bought it like at Sears. That was like two hundred bucks, and, or, right. Mo- or Montgomery Wards, <laughs> one of those places. As and much as the TV. you, I think it was like an extra twenty-five bucks, which was actually pretty a lot back then. This is early '80s, and it was one of those little ultrasonic remotes. So you got this little module with the remote control, and there was a little panel on the front of the TV that you had to pop off, and you pushed this module into the slot, and that was what gave your TV the ability to have remote control access. Well, it was an ultrasonic remote, so you could hear these weird tones when you would push the buttons to change the, the channels, and that it literally just was high-frequency sound changing 
Well, there, you know. there was also, it's funny because some people to this day call it the clicker. Yes. Yep. Because there was that yes. click. Yes. And it would it would change the channels. And, and nothing clicked like that, man. And you'd you have to click through the channels. You yes. Click you could. There was no, there was no, yeah. Yeah, you had Select to go all the way through. And, yeah. Funk, funk, yeah. Yeah, and you I, only had five channels. Yeah. I remember well, fortunately, because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you'd miss channel two and you'd be, ah, fuck, I got to. Got to come back around the horn. Around, oh, shit. I remember my grandparents' remote. It had these big, thick, tall buttons that you had to physically push down like an inch. Chunk, chunk. It was like. It so literally, you're right. It clicked. It like, you're yeah, like, there was like, yeah. I remember that it was like, um, 80s, one button. 80s brown, whatever. Right? Oh, yes. that, that's the yes. HBO box. Yes. <laughs> that, that was the HBO cable box. That was the panel with the row of buttons. Yes. And you just, pr- and then it had, it had the dial or kind of like a lever, kind of like a dial on the side that gave you three tiers. Yep. So that's where you got your, your 75 channels because, the 25, but I don't yeah. know how many and stuff uh. like that. Oh, Jeff, you're here. I want to ask this. It just triggered in my head. I worked with a friend decades ago. She said her dad, way back when, was a television repair dude, electronics dude. Uh-huh. And in the really, really old TVs, he used to install, and she swore this existed, and I never heard of it. He used to install something called Blab Off, which was an automatic volume mute when commercials came on hmm and I, it, I think i have heard of that yeah it, it, it she swore that it was it, it, it was the way it was designed and it wasn't like a volume uh, regulator it's like as soon as it went to commercial it would slam to mute and then it would come back up when the tv program came back on Nice. I and remember there was a piece of software that was going around yeah, for a while that they were putting in TVs yeah. that because a lot of times television shows were recorded in stereo, but commercials were recorded in, in mono. So as soon as the television or the DVR or whatever sensed that it went from television to commercial, it would auto-mute it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not heard what you're talking about, but it's not outside the realm All right. Because I was like, how'd that work? Because I was always like, is there like a signal in the commercial that it picks up and goes, oh, time for the mute? Because it's probably that stereo to mono. They're also louder, too. That's true, too. They do jack up the volume for. uh, But but she said that I can confirm because when you a lot of times commercials would record in a higher volume so that it was supposed to draw your attention to it. Now, I know that that software that I was talking about, a lot of commercial um, producers filed suit because they were saying it wasn't given the it wasn't giving the consumer the choice right. to to hear or not hear right. the commercials even though it was a feature you had to turn on yeah i know um, you, you know it's bullshit it ended up getting it ended up getting removed so i would say probably the reason that that device that you're talking about doesn't exist would be along those same veins that probably um, i have a question for money. everyone here as well as the shock monkeys out there listening has there ever been, other than a movie or anything like that, a commercial product that, like a commercial, make you want to go out there and buy that product? Me, never. Oh yeah, definitely me. Yeah, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's there were there were things that happened. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, yeah. I mean, aside from like, being like, a no, kid, like, recent, like recently. Oh, no, recently. Like, recently. No. When I was no, a kid, those Star that Wars. Back in the day, yeah, that's the those only Star thing. Wars yeah, yeah, toy yeah. commercials like, like made me want to go get those toys all the time. Oh, I discovered now. Micronauts like through the commercials alone. Yeah. yeah. In their modern now, era of TV. Dude, Toffee Fay. 
There you go. They're too good for kids. That's exactly it. I still that, buy them sometimes that, because of that. Yes, that commercial challenged me as a child. Too good for kids. Fuck you. I'm buying some toffee fat. <laughs> but silly I rabbit buy tricks say, are for you, kids. Duncan. You're not getting any of these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't say it to his face. That'd be cruel. It was. I think it. No, just play you in the commercial. You should say it to his face. Yeah, it's in, it's say, in the hey, commercial. These are my candies. Watching football, it was really funny because occasionally I'd look over my shoulder and there Andy would be standing literally just standing wrapped and then he'd shake and look at me and go sorry i haven't watched network tv and i've forever. watched terrestrial tv and for so long <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's commercials these the these hell? commercials are interesting yeah <laughs> it sounds like spock talking yes. about tv it was great so 1984 my roommate bought cable and it had a remote control but it was tethered yes well, yeah, what is the point of a tethered remote control? Well, that was the point. Yeah, that's what we were talking it's about. Because you don't, you, it's it was tethered, yes, but you still didn't have to get all the way up, walk right. across the room. You just had to have to a cord the hanging across right across from the doorway. Yeah. Yes, well, we, which an Andy land is. Oh yeah, yeah. Is you might as well have like that, a, that's why Andy's bitter. About no, that's it. like that's like a claymore. In Andy, you might, you might as well have a pit with spikes in it. Literal tripwire. <laughs> and it was a fragile cord. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. even like some kind of industrial fucking cord. Yeah, those they were super thin. I remember that. Yeah. So I looked up most 80s song, and the top three were Take On Me, mm. Don't You, and mm. Living On A Prayer, which kind of reinforces everything you guys wow, said. Wow, uh, Living On A Prayer <laughs> is pretty... Okay, that kind of hits that. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I've heard people say that's the quintessential 80s song, too, the... Bon Jovi song, but uh, I don't. I don't personally agree with it. Oh, I think you know, I'm not saying. I'm not saying I love or hate the song because I actually do like the song, even though I don't necessarily like well, admit the theme well of done. the song. All right, Jeff, what but, do you think is the most '80s song? All right. Well, that's the thing is I can't say that I have one song. I mean, there's a lot of great songs. God damn it, he I, won't a commit. Couple of Billy dude. Idols. I, I realize I, 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 wedding. I love a lot of Rebel. Billy Idols. Sure, songs. but if but if oh, a, a '80s yeah, song sure. said sure. A, '80s to you, what is that song? Are you pull up the list too. I okay. well, <laughs> honestly, aha. <laughs> Take On Me is one of the songs that when people say, you know, think of an 80s song, that's one of the first ones that pops into my head. You know what I think? It, not, it might not be like the quintessential 80s song, but what I think is the most 80s sounding song yeah. ever made is Night Owl by Little River Band. Really? I think that is the most 80s sounding song to me. I can't even picture it. I can't even really Sledgehammer by Peter Gabriel? Which we... Was well, that I can say oh, the 80s transitions. You know what? I Jump have by song. Van Halen is another one that frequently pops up as a quintessential 80s song. You know Sledgehammer's a parody, right? Yes. I, yeah. I know. Okay. As yeah. The people you, I was talking to last... Be aware. The people I was talking to last... came up last night, weirdly enough, and, and uh, the people I was talking to had no idea that was a parody. I do explain for the listeners who don't know. Uh, it's Peter Gabriel said, I'm going to write a song that's like... Just everything about the 80s and just make a whole bunch of really stupid sexual double entendres that are yes. ridiculous. Show me around your fruitcakes. Yes. Yes. And it's really your sledgehammer. Yeah. It's funny, too, because <laughs> my parents love that video. Sure. Oh, it's an amazing video. Yeah, it comes uh, on, good. and my parents good. are just loving it. Didn't it win video of the year for like MTV? It was a, it was for three cool years running? Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> that and uh, uh, Tim Buck 3, uh, Future So Bright, was also another parody. I can see that. Yep. I still like M's pop music. <laughs> wow. Pop, pop, pop so this music. was Music Talk Shock. Music Shock. 
Nostalgia Shack. Yeah. What's your quintessential 80s song? Write to us. Sure. I'm, I'm actually curious. Yeah, flood, it, was. flood the lair. Let's see it. Yeah, let's see it. On I, the, I would on say the number four on this list actually has a good chance for being the number one, really, which What's is that? Wham's Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go. That is definitely yeah. an 80s song. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like like from front to back. That's yeah. a total 80s song. Oh, both are from the back. Front to back? Who <laughs> did that one? Front to back. That thing has Madonna. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would be a Madonna song. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, that would be Material Speaking Girl. Speaking of that, that yeah, Madonna. No one said many of Madonna's stuff. Yeah, I know. We're I, terrible you know, that way. I appreciate Madonna, but I was never a huge fan of Madonna. I wasn't until the True music. Blue era. And she yeah. also... True Blue, managed, I, I absolutely adored her during that time. She managed to go beyond several decades, too. Like A lot of the bands we mentioned really didn't well, have much of a career came beyond Came and went. She's, yeah, she's still performing. She's still she putting is? out albums. Uh, she, uh, she's, she's a master. Style, yeah. She changed her name to Lady Gaga now, but she's still performing. She's a master of reinventing yeah. herself. She's about every very, 10 years. Very, yeah, very, very totally canny on that. Now. For me, it's funny, though, because, yeah, she actually didn't do as much for me. For me, that early 80s would be Blondie, oh. then late 80s, right. Stevie Nicks. Those were my music mm. lust objects. Huh. Huh. I would think of Stevie Nicks as being earlier than that, but I guess not. Well, for well, me, solo. You. She went solo, solo in the yeah. second oh, half. Second okay. half so, of the 80s. I mean, yeah, you know... Uh, because the Fleetwood Mac and everything, but yeah, after rumors, the band really started having some difficulties. Yeah. Mean after everybody stopped fucking everybody, yeah, started fucking everybody. That's all, all, all the drummer. Just, he was the fifth wheel. Should oh, just <laughs> be a lesson. Yeah, don't stop fucking. Right, <laughs> just don't. I think they wrote a song about that. Don't stop. Yeah. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, stop fucking about tomorrow. There you go. I love your punk version. It's yeah. beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, Andy doesn't care about aesthetics. It's all about the message. In reality, "Go Your Own Way" is the song yeah, about that's true. The, uh, the, the band and, and all the relationships breaking up. <laughs> all right. So, what what other music crushes have you had, guys? I got to know now. Oh my god! Guess, <laughs> like yep. musical yep. artist crushes? Yeah. Oh god. Mus- no, no. Actual musical songs you yeah. were crushed on. Actually, Jeff. looking at notes, I, I always loved the eighth note. That was <laughs> that really got me pumping. I like the whole note, baby. Well, I didn't know if you. Meant like the song you were enamored with the song or the artist that made the what song. That's where I was trying. Dude, to, to figure I just out where you were. talked about who I masturbated <laughs> to in the early eighties and you the late. You, 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 you never mentioned Come masturbation on. in that whole thing. Well, whoa, whoa, it was an implication. It, yeah, the obvious one. It was then, implied, but, like Shebop. I was gonna say Cindy Lauper. <laughs> Absolutely, Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper. I liked her music, but she wasn't a sexual object for me. Uh, God. We, we very uh, much on that. Question. Wow, hard did, question. I've said this Susanna before Hoss. about Andy. He appreciates a wide variety <laughs> of uh, uh, the female form. Yeah, uh, I thought Gloria Estefan was ah, amazingly hot. 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 Uh, Pat mm. Benatar too. Oh, uh, yes. back like the early videos, I was like, wow, she's talented. She's got a great voice and she's cute. Fire and ice, motherfucker. Yep. Susanna Hoffs. Oh, oh God, I, yes, uh, yeah. She still looks amazing. She's like almost 60, and she's like full-on hottie still. You tap that? <laughs> Repeatedly, yeah. <laughs> I had big crushes on Samantha Fox. Mm. Mm. Wasn't she a porn star? No, no, she, no she, she was a page three girl. Me. There you go. Yeah. Uh, in, okay. in England, which... Yeah, Andy. Easy very on the su- judgments. Very, I was, very, I was very happy. Playboy-esque. It was, it was all topless, but... And, yeah, and Shirley Manson from Garbage. Those were probably my biggest huh. music crushes. Okay. Um, the only one coming to my head right now, and I don't want to know about out. that. I want all of that. <laughs> I want to know about your crushes. Katy Perry. 
She's oh, still hot. going on. I She's love hot. it. Yeah. I know. But. How old was she in the 80s? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, it wasn't from the 80s. It wasn't from the 80s. He said musical Negative. crushes. Oh. Negative three. Yeah, okay. But I can't think of anything, really, other than that. All right. All right that's think. valid. I mean, if we're going to go that way and we're not going to care about the 80s. No, no, no. I'm going to go back to the 80s, too. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to think. Oh, oh, garbage was in the 80s. I was going to so. say, yeah, Lita well, Ford. You, you threw me off. I yeah. didn't know. Lita Ford was. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. Like, when you watched her in the music videos, like, this chick can rock and she is definitely hot. So, yeah. That was another one. I had a poster of Deb- Debbie Harry. Unless you think I'm being me. She's actually said that herself. She calls herself a rock chick. So She no. was. She Shania was, Twain in the 90s. Okay. Yeah, Shania Twain's, yeah. Um, in the 90s. In bed, wrapped in a silken white sheet. And Debbie Gibson poster. No, Debbie Harry. Harry. Oh, oh Debbie Harry. Debbie, yeah. Debbie Gibson. No, Debbie like, Gibson. I don't remember this yeah, poster. No. Yeah, this was that. Yeah, that was right. Her <laughs> middle school years. This no. is after the hubbub about the Doctor Strange cover. Continue. What? Uh, what? What? Okay, continue. Yeah, he 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 busted my brain. <laughs> Sorry. Um <laughs> Anyway, nobody knows where Andy's going except for Andy. I don't and think Andy knows know where he's going. I think I'm back at the name wrong, too, so carry on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, what was that one time? We spent like 20 minutes trying to figure out what you were talking about, and then you're like, oh, wait, I got the wrong name. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, that, that physically hurt. That time. Okay, so, but it's really funny because I've gone on the Internet to look for it, and I can't find it anywhere. And asked one, and this is when I was living overseas, and I asked uh, one of my best buddies in high school, dude, am I hallucinating? Do you remember this poster? And he's like, oh hell yeah. Um, he's like, but remember, we were overseas, so it might have been a European ah, uh, yes. marketing only thing that never made it to the states, and as a result, you're going to have a hell of a time finding it here. And so to this day. I have no frickin' clue, and and the the image is fading in my mind. <laughs> in a few years, I'm never gonna remember Debbie Harry oh. in that sheet. I had the name wrong. I was thinking I was mixing up my Christian. <laughs> I was mixing my Christian artist is Amy Grant. Oh. Amy Grant. <gasps> oh, when she, um, every heartbeat bears her name. Oh yes. Oh my God. She she uh, and there was a I had a period a, a brief uh, Faith Hill. Oh yeah, uh, this kiss. No, everybody yeah. was Faith Hill. I always had the weird. <laughs> everybody was Faith Hill. Come on. Okay, it was Amy, fine. Fine. I was one of the crowd. The male gender. <laughs> the male gender. Faith Hill. Uh, Amy Grant I, I was say always back up for her, so I can't really claim it. <laughs> Amy oh. Grant was always weird with me because when she achieved like pop status, I already had known who she was for like five years because my sisters were like deep into like her Christian. Oh uh, yeah. Christian music. So I knew who she was before she did the uh, the the so, the duet with uh, Peter Cetera, right? The next time I yes. fall in love. Okay, so that was like her first like mainstream hit, and then she went on to do the other mainstream stuff. And so it was like when you finally got to see, like I remember, like my mom had piano music with her on the cover, and I was just like, she's kind of attractive, but that's that weird, like yeah, but she's Christian music she's you not gonna do you butt can't stuff you can't have lust for this <laughs> that, that's all she's that gonna kind do of notion when I was, that's god's loophole man that god's loophole. <laughs> it was that weird notion you had when you were going to church you're like it's like oh she can't be a lust object because she's she's a christian musical musician oh, and all right we got a sterling i'll do that one what's oh, that absolutely. Lindsay sterling Certainly. Lindsay Sterling. Oh, yeah. That is. Oh. Yeah, you, you've heard her music. 
Okay. And, and the nerd, Violinist extraordinaire. Yes. Does oh, like okay. Apids, Zelda, things like that. Okay. See, now I'm going to have to look up. So I, I, I have to admit a guilty pleasure in vanity. Ah, yes. Um, What the hell was... Shoot any of the uh, the prince. I can't remember. Uh, yeah, any Apollonia of the, seven any, six whatever. Any of the uh, prince the protégés. prince protégés. Yeah, yeah. That's what I was thought of say. one. He thought of one. Atlanta Miles, Black Velvet. Atlanta Miles. Yes. yes. God yes. damn, I love yes. Black Velvet. That yes. is such a sexy fucking sounding song. It is. I just I I I I remember every time that would come up on the radio, you just want to. I just would would turn it right up because that was I just a remember great that song. video. The rest of the album's oh. not so great. What? Rest of the album is not so good. Who cares? You know? Yeah, exactly, song. right? <laughs> Perfect. One hit is all you need? <laughs> yeah. No, I was... Uh, and then come back to me the next day. And <laughs> Well, actually, you didn't mention she was a redhead there, Matt. Oh, yeah, That makes Matt. all the difference. Yeah, really, dude. No, she's You're cute. telling me you don't like that? No, I'm saying she's cute. That's... I, okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs> the only problem with Black Velvet is just because the words in it I would always jump in my head to Velvet Elvis and so it would break the whole thing oh Todd I'm afraid I'm going to have to just blame that on you yeah I fully take the blame so. you haven't noticed by now his damaged weird connections brain I mean actually all of us in this room <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, you're, Andy's that's here that's finds us yeah damaged I, I keep Andy around because he makes me look normal yeah there yeah. you go <laughs> there you go I live to surf uh, I remember early 90s uh, or early 90s, mid 90s, when I discovered uh, Alanis Morissette. Oh, yeah. I, I, she was one of the first ones where I was like really taken with her and the music. I don't know, maybe it was the beginning of adulthood because I was actually really taken with her before I ever saw her. Or how she well, looked. Well, I had remembered sound, her, her being on sound. the sound and the and the lyrics themselves. I really do. I all really, my buddies had jagged little pill. That yeah, that oh album, yeah, yeah, yeah. All had had it. Jagged little she pill. had to have Everybody been huge in Canada, yeah, right? She was massive. Yeah, uh, oh. and I remember her being on. You can't do that on television on Nickelodeon before. Yeah, she was. She hit it big yeah. on the slimed people are hot. Yeah. Back when she was dating Dave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's really funny. Dave Coulier. The um. Cut there, it out. There is a there's a hidden track on Jagged Little Pill at the end. If you let the last track play and then you don't hit stop, it's literally about five minutes after that last I love track. I when they used to do that. Yeah, the uh, the acapella thing came on that you're pretty sure she was talking about discovering that he's um, fucking someone else or something and, and <laughs> everything like that. And it, it's pretty heartfelt. It was pretty amazing. Well, yeah, she was. He was her first real "quote unquote" love, and yeah. you know. Then she moved on to Ryan Reynolds, I believe, right? Something like that. Yeah. I have no Oof. idea. God damn that bastard! I know, he right? really. Oh, <laughs> fuck! He gets all the good. You tales. know, he does such. He's such a great Deadpool, and, and he's just a nice seeming guy. But that fucker, he got everywhere. <laughs> Shit. Didn't he get Scarlett Johansson too? Oh, just just leave me alone! <laughs> leave me the fuck alone, Matt. And now he's on to Blake Lively. Oh God! I spent the last five minutes looking for this poster of yours, and I can't find it. I'm telling yeah, you, I dude, tried it too. I I, I question my sanity. It's like I don't know what the hell is burned into my 13 year old brain. <laughs> so hormones. There's a, there's a picture of her in a white dress, though. That's doing it for me. <laughs> 
Another one, and this this is almost going to be. I don't want this to sound obligatory, Andy. Uh-oh. But I do remember also being impressed by Fiona Apple's voice. Yeah, she's got a uh, great voice. The richness, the richness of her voice. Shadow is, boxer, baby. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. She's it's, too skinny. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> like, a, like an Amy Winehouse type? Um, I, maybe. No. I He's like, she, Jeff said that like Andy Kaufman. There's a... <laughs> <laughs> Well, I did just watch Jim and, me and oh, Andy. Okay. Uh, that was another Netflix watch, <laughs> yeah. which is a fascinating it documentary, is. by the That's way. It's a very good one. Definitely watch that Definitely if you get a watch. chance. That must be why I've had Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi Wall in my head all day. Thank you. That's your fault. Have you um, watched yeah. the actual Dave Letterman um, interview? Oh, yeah. Ooh. Ah, fucking hilarious. Let's Jerry see. Lawler. Hold on. Yeah. With, yeah. You're an asshole, Jerry. You're an asshole, you fucker. And he slaps him. When I was in well, and they had totally, but they had staged that. But apparently, um, according to Letterman, he you know he didn't know what was going on. But apparently, Andy and Lawler had behind the scenes. He's like, like when they went to commercial, like Andy leans over and he goes, "You know when you're supposed to like fake hit me?" He's like, "Really hit me." He's like, "What?" He's like, "Actually hit me," which is why if you look at the um, at the original footage, you'll see that he goes from that closed fist. To at the last second an open hand and like hits him across the face because at the same he's sitting there and it was like he wants me to hit him but i don't i don't want to hurt him so he went from the closed fist to the open hand at the last second and then you see andy tumble over and that's when he goes into the the rage and stuff so the and only sorry. person that knew what was going on was lawler as andy yeah. coffin is going insane and friggin letterman is big sitting, dude back in the day when i was letterman in, is sitting uh, there going and like i have no idea what's going on here when i was in memphis i was in jerry lawler's bar and there's, oh, a, big, yeah. there's a big mural of that on a wall of him and andy that's uh, really yeah oh, wow Wow! I'm cool. surprised one of his wives didn't get it. <laughs> Which is another <laughs> funny awesome. part of the documentary because Lawler talks about you know how the two of them were were really good friends, even though in the public eye they were they were enemies, and how you know they were always very respectful of each other and talking and so forth. And he says that so when Jim Carrey was in full on Andy mode, yeah. he said it was very difficult for him to relate to him. He's like. It's like he's it's like he's Andy, but he's not the Andy as I remember him. Yeah, because he and was a pretty big. He's a dick, dick yeah. to him. So he's like he's like this is like the public Andy. This is like the Andy that would confront me at the wrestling matches, not the Andy that I knew off stage when we would work together on bits and stuff. So yeah. it's a weird documentary. It's a, man. It, it, it is. is. I it, loved it though. Wow. Well, well, but see, that's the thing. It's like the the fun thing about it is is Jim Carrey even realizes. As he's going back and thinking about it, like how weird things were for him and how how out of control he felt and like how he felt like he was, you know, he was three different people when he was working on that movie. And uh, it, when he talked about like Milos called him up and says, well, maybe we just fire both of them and then I'll do an impression of them. And he's like, no, I just wanted to talk to, Aunt, to, to Jim. And I was like, it's a really heartfelt <laughs> moment because it's like, it's like that kind of that realization where Jim is like, "Wow, I have let these characters so inhabit my soul that the director now just wants to talk to the real Jim Carrey and not right. the the two other two characters." But yeah, it's a fascinating documentary. You got to watch it. It's in my queue, <laughs> <laughs> so you're never gonna watch it. No, I will. Wow, Maybe. we got way off track. We went way down the rabbit hole. Yeah. On this. I, and, lo- and I love that, though. That's good stuff. Actually got very ungeeky. I mean, music. 
you can geek out about music. What the fuck? Music is very geeky. I mean, come on. How many geeks were playing in orchestra or band when we were kids? All I heard was notes, 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 notes. One time in band camp. It's not my fault you never picked up a ball. I played baseball. I played baseball. Picked up two balls, did he? Oh, he got his hands on balls a lot. Still do. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you're like, okay, we'll do some geeky stuff. News you don't give a shit about. <sighs> oh, that was resigned. Every yeah. single time. Yeah, Andy. Well, he didn't go, at least he didn't go, uh-huh, like he always does. <laughs> yeah. It's not every single time. That's the best part. Yes, it Sometimes is. Most of the time. Game. It's like 89%. But that 89, 11, he's been actually crunching the numbers. <laughs> at 11%, though. Oh. <laughs> 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 Yikes! John Cena. Who? John Cena. I can't see him. Dun, 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 <laughs> Thank you. Dun, Thank you. Dun. I know that 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 would be about Sorry, ten pa- minutes of Paul, dead. Uh, yeah. Paul wasn't here to 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 bring up the YouTube. That would be the video. end of the show. We get that yep. for the next thirty yeah. minutes. <laughs> John Cena is currently in negotiations to star in an upcoming feature film adaptation of the Duke Nukem video game franchise. Oh. I can see him playing that. First created by Apache Software. <laughs> the, I hear Andy is moving around the room. I'm, I'm hearing clunk crash. The Beasters. <laughs> First created by Apogee Software, the character appeared in the original Duke Nukem game in 1991. This was followed by multiple sequels from 3D Realms and Gearbox Software, the latter of which acquired the rights in this, to the series in 2010. I'm sorry to interrupt, but you just discovered something because your eyes just bulged out of your head. Like Kirsten is... Jim carrying the mask. ...is deep in his phone. I, I Guys, I... You I found it? I found it. You think you yeah. found it. Oh, no. my, my, yeah. my Debbie Harry poster. Damn, ah. that is good. The, the, okay, the, so you, you did with a poster search, because I did, like, Debbie Harry silk sheets, yeah. Debbie Harry in sheets. I tried, I, I like, just did poster. so many different searches. Dude, the last time I did Derry, Debbie ha- well, the last time I did, did, did a search <laughs> for Debbie Harry The last poster. time he did Debbie Harry. Uh, <laughs> I, it did not come up, but I'm... That's it. You gonna save this? Sometimes it's all about the screen cap. The so string, saying, of, the string well, of you're saying the last time search. you did Deborah Harry, you, it you, didn't come up. You download the Google <laughs> Mind app. Well, I, actually, the joke, Andy, was the last time I did Debbie Harry's poster because I'm pathetic. Uh, and I wouldn't get no oh. further than yeah. Okay. I was gonna say because they have the Viagra for that now. If you. <laughs> What? For a poster, it's a waste of Viagra. Yeah. Well, never mind. That's like well, three that's bucks, a, right? That's a, that's a pretty good poster. I yeah. admit. I mean, we all had the Farrah poster, but come on. All oh, right. Yeah, that poster. Uh, the Duke Nukem feature is currently in the works via Platinum Dunes, the Paramount-based production company created by filmmakers Michael Bay, Brad Fuller, and Andrew Form. No writer or director has been confirmed as being attached to the project. How do you, how do you feel about a Duke Nukem movie? Blow it out your ass. Do you feel like there's a story there? Because that's not Duke Nukem Town. Yeah, what do you think they are? Jumanji? I I will say this. I liked the video game, even the more recent one that was the way, way overdue sequel. Uh, But mostly because it was that whole nostalgia trip. The gameplay was not the greatest. It was a little too difficult, artificially difficult. Didn't need to be that hard. But uh, my honest assessment of it is that I think it's a property that's past its time. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you might have been able to do it in the early 2000s. Is there enough story when they did that, that, that 90s nostalgia? I think you would have to gently 
subvert the tropes of the game. And all of that macho oh, yes. wackiness. But the thing is, is that just in what little Cena has already done in movies, that's exactly where I see them going. Because he is actually becoming rather well known for, for doing a nice job of... Making not, fun of himself? Not taking himself yeah. seriously. And I think that, that casting kind of speaks to that. Yeah, I can't see them trying to do a straight Duke Nukem. I was. Yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for him now, considering some anyone of the, who can laugh the crazy at stuff that he's done. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, oh, Andy Samberg had this uh, this thing about like the greatest tennis game or whatever ever played that was on HBO. It was a little comedy bit thing about uh, it was him and um, Kit Harrington basically being like the two top tennis players of their time and playing this game that went on for like days, this tennis match, et cetera. And he did this follow-up one, which is about um, the Tour de France and like all these people that were involved in it. And Cena is one of these characters in there. And he's ridiculous. I mean, he's so funny because he's making fun of himself the whole time. And uh, I, I won't go too deep into what happened, but like there's a, there's a scene in there where he's literally got this guy, he puts up over his head and the, the outfit tears and he's literally got this guy's junk in his face like full-on naked junk in his face and he's playing it so seriously and silly i'm like i got a lot of respect for this guy because dude he, him him and the um doing the karate kid bit on saturday night live Was i haven't saturday seen that live? one. Oh fuck he plays Co- uh cobra kai or cobra. oh jesus that would be <laughs> oh, the, fucking the, the, the perfect coach? the coach no he actually plays the um johnny, johnny. yeah he plays. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh fuck! I got a YouTube. William now. Zabka. Oh yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, Andy. Yes. You know the actor's name. I do. <laughs> and I found Debbie's poster. Oh my god! Oh, so happy for I you, man. I am not yeah. gonna sleep tonight. It's gonna be like a sock on oh. your joint. Andy's gonna be like, "Oh damn!" <laughs> <laughs> and Duncan's gonna be like, "Why is there a sock on Kirsten's door?" <laughs> Like if you grew up in the eighties, you understand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Deadpool star Ryan Reynolds has signed a three-year deal with 20th Century Fox for Fucking his guy. his production <laughs> company, Maximum Effort. Nice. And the first project that Reynolds is getting underway is a new live-action version of Hasbro's popular board game Clue. I or, heard about or this. Cluedo for you UK folk. Which was filmed once, of course, in 1985, and there's been comics, spinoff games, books, uh, TV show. So far, I give a shit about this. What musical. awful thing you're going to do to twist on this? <laughs> the feature will be produced by Reynolds, who will also star. Expected to be written by Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, the pair who wrote the first Deadpool, and were involved in several drafts of the upcoming sequel, uh, which was then passed on to Drew Goddard. Uh, they're in talks to pen the screenplay. Hasbro is recently launched film production arm, AllSpark is producing the movie alongside Reynolds. Is he going to be the Professor Plum or Colonel Mustard? That's a good question. Wait, that was it? There's no twist? No. I thought you were going to tell me it was going to be like only available on the Hasbro streaming network or something. Directed by Michael Bay or something. <laughs> I think that's one of those that kind of fits into the it could be good, yeah. could be bad. That's why it's probably towards the yeah, end of the fine. category. Clue directed by Michael Bay. Oh, yeah. In the dining room with the TNT. <laughs> and- in a slow slow motion dive out of the away from the explosion. Oh, that would be, 
That'd be awesome. And then it gets it gets replayed from multiple angles. The same explosion. No, you idiot! It was a Decepticon in the kitchen. No, it was C4. one of the Teenage Mutant Turtles in the basement with the sewer pipe. It was Don Simpson. Oh, <laughs> damn. I'm so proud of myself. You should be. You should be. <laughs> anyway. Mrs. Peacock. Yeah. <laughs> News you don't give a shit about. Rasta Banana almost explained that joke for the audience. <laughs> I, I wish he had. I didn't get it. You see, man, Don Simpson was a co-producer with Jerry Bruckheimer before he died, man. He produced Top Gun with Jerry Bruckheimer. And he had a unsavory reputation? Unsavory? For Hollywood? Hmm. That's that's Are you talking like Weinstein unsavory? Rough. Are you talking about like... Kind of rough. Like Italian (laughs) mafia? Oh, I don't know if he was connected or anything, but he was... Not for more than twenty minutes at a time. Hey yo! But why are you? Th- what's what? Why are you throwing what? a phone in his face? What's going no, on? We got to watch this he, after the show. But he, it's hilarious. He, he's putting up the Cobra oh, Kai Cena. Oh, okay, Cena Kai. I've got it. Cute. You <laughs> <laughs> don't give a shit about. Hasbro and his producing partner, Paramount Pictures, made a big deal a while back about expanding their cinematic output. Battleship. With even more Transformers movies, a reboot of G.I. Joe, and new films based on ROM, Space Knight, Micronauts, and Mask, with potential crossovers happening between all of them. Still news you're going to give a shit about? Yes, we are. I really give a shit about the Micronauts. (laughs) The studio assembled a writer's room to start developing some of the movies, uh, bringing in people like Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist Michael Chabon, Eisner Award-winning comics writer Brian K. Vaughn, Oscar-winning screenwriter Akiva Goldsman, and up-and-coming Spider-Man homecoming scribes John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein to kick ideas around. But now, Daly and Goldstein have told IGN that most of these properties, namely Rom, Micronauts, and Mask, might never pass through the movie projector. No! Goldstein explained, those movies are probably not likely to see the light of day. Unless they're moving on separate from us. Well, nobody saw the light of day. It was not one of uh, Fox's better. Smack you so hard. (laughs) It's a funny thing, continuing the quote. It's a funny thing. We spent three weeks in a room with a lot of talented writers. We broke 11 or so movies, and I don't know. It just kind of went into the vortex. There's been some leadership changes at Paramount, so it's hard to say. Nobody's contacted contacted us about those. Unquote. Along with the changes in executive suites at Paramount, one likely culprit is the massive underperformance of 2017's Transformers The Last Night. The film was the yeah. lowest grossing of the series, earning $605 million worldwide. It was a flop in the North America with $130 million in ticket sales. Although Paramount and Hasbro are proceeding with the spinoff movie Bumblebee, due out in December, uh, would not be surprising if the collapse of the flagship series spooked the studio and all involved. Now, a new G.I. Joe movie is scheduled for March 2020, and Micronauts is still on the schedule for October of that year for now. See, I wouldn't mind... Whoa, that sounded like I was gone there for a second. I wouldn't kind mind of being a, a... I wouldn't mind having a mask movie. Because I really enjoyed that, yes, that cartoon. Yes, Mighty Power that could save the day. I just wonder if it would translate well to the big screen. Yeah. That's... Because it was kind of a, you know, an outrageous plot. It was, I don't remember It works last. well in a cartoon, but would it work well as a mainstream movie? It was a gimmick toy. Yeah. 
Right. It was vehicles that turned into other vehicles. Right. So cars that turned into tanks. Uh, they 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 yeah. If, if transformers only turned a you know a truck into a car. Oh. Yeah. Or or a motorcycle into a helicopter. Yeah, that, I had that, that one. That happen. was my favorite. That green motorcycle that turned into the helicopter. Stiletto fire. I just love that dude's voice. Yeah. Yeah, I, have no I idea what you know, guys are talking about. <laughs> I always wonder, like when you, you when you bring a bunch of writers on that have all those pedigrees, and you know you have this big meeting of the minds in a room somewhere on the studio lot. You just kind of wonder sometimes if it's all just a big PR stunt, like like the studio goes. Well, if I bring all these people in, it'll add an air of legitimacy to the projects that we're working on, even though we never intend to use anything that they output. From I, that room, no, I, I, I feel like that goes on a lot in that industry. Well, from the time that it was being done, mm-hmm. this was when everybody was putting together their cinematic universes. Right, there was the King Arthur cinematic universe. Right, there was the dark universe for the Universal horror monsters. Sure, and both those fizzled out real fast, real fast. And so I think there's a lot of cold feet out there in these whole cinematic universe big ideas when you know, DC has a hard time getting that going forward. Right. And I still they want to, everybody wants to be Marvel, but don't know how to be Marvel. Well, I think you know what? What if? <clears throat> what if there there is none? What if uh, DC is the only one who can com- uh, compete with the brand, and they just can't they they just can't seem to get a handle on it? And uh, what if there is nothing else out there that has that kind of draw and that kind of power? I mean, because we can get geeky, sentimental about it, but but uh, comics uh, and Marvel in particular did have some great stuff going for it creatively in terms of entertainment. Just just you know, just let's just go with entertainment, and exploiting that was was very well done. But what if? And and how they revealed that there was going to be a cinematic universe. Right. And, and when all, Iron Man came out, nobody had an right. idea. And also the fact that there that brand is there because one of the interesting things, uh, the unique things about Marvel DC, I think, is that their old brands going back uh, eighty years, but they're also still going. Right, so like Universal Monsters, they're an old brand. That's a classic brand, but it isn't ongoing. You know what I'm sure. saying? And and uh, uh, even uh, Jesus, I'm blanking. King Arthur, oh, King Arthur, right? Ancient, literally ancient uh, brand that is you can't say is ongoing. Everyone does a King Arthur thing every generation, but it's not the same. It's not the same thing as Marvel Comics continuing DC Comics running through right now. And maybe that's why Star Wars is the only thing out there that's really going to ever top Marvel. And, and, and Star Trek is the only thing that has a, a, a snowball's chance of coming close. Because those are not quite as old brands, but they're still ongoing at least. You see what I, my, my logic there? No, I there? know. That makes sense. Because I'm, I'm wondering if that has a lot to do with it. You're also comparing think, things with a lot of rich background yeah. and, and, and complexity. Yeah. Things like one toy that turns into another toy. It's not a lot to do yeah. with that. Although, yeah. you know, but Transformers did it for a while. Uh, well, Transformers yeah. did it, I think, 
in spite of the fact that there was not a lot of substance there. Well, maybe. You had a lot of flash. You had a lot of spectacle. Yeah. And for a while, a lot of people went to them just to see that stuff. Sure. I remember having conversations yeah. with some 20-somethings at I work did. talking about it. They're sitting there going, and he's like, oh, man, did you see this? Did you see this? And I'm like... What was the plot of the movie? Ah, it didn't matter. It was just awesome yeah. seeing these yeah. big giant robots blow things up and Which blah, blah, blah. Which kind of explains, it kind of <laughs> describes Michael Bay overall. And it, it's it's very successful. And I right. think, you know, Transformers may have run its course, but that doesn't mean that there isn't something else out yeah. there. New. But in terms and, of longevity and, and continuing, I have a feeling... There is actually very little out there. It's not just a matter of, of grabbing something classic and well done in its heyday, like, as I would say, the Universal Monsters, and going, okay, this we can do. Because maybe, maybe it's not, it just isn't that easy. And that it's not just a matter of grabbing that sure. old property. And I think you could actually reboot Transformers and do the opposite of what Michael Bay did. Do much more substance. Could you? And less style. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know if the Transformer fans will accept it. I, I think the I think the, I think the I non-Transformer think, fans would accept it. No, I, I would think fans of the trans. Now, to be fair, you have two different categories of Transformer fans. You have Transformer fans that are fans of just the movies, uh-huh. and you have Transformer fans that are fan of the toy line the cartoon, mm-hmm. and kind of like the movies. A lot of those fans don't really like the Michael Bay movies. Sure. So there's a there's a huge number of them. If you rebooted I don't and think tried it's to as keep... huge as you think it is. Huh? I don't think that's as huge as you think it is. I, I think I, I am in that category. Those of us are in that category. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a lot of deep nerds with a very, very sentimental point of view with the old Transformers cartoon or uh-huh. people that got really into the whole... The whole Japanese extended Transformers verse, right. which you know that's a huge deep story in its own. But I think altogether, that's much more niche than the current right. fan well, of the, star- of the right. Transformers. Right, films. like uh, our friend Carl, and not enough to say we're going to reboot it with this other style. I think yeah. if you did now, that, I think that movie would fail. Hasbro has sold a ton. Well, at least according to them, they've sold a ton of their classics lines when sure. they've they've redone the the figures. But when you're saying tons, are you talking millions? That's an excellent question. Because I, I, I think I when you're know. talking tons, I think you're talking tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, which is not huge when you're comparing these kind of apples and oranges. And it's really interesting, too. Uh, that makes me think of, uh, actually, I'll go back to it, as always, the He-Man episode of Toys That Made Us, where they talk about the collapse. Because I remember, I remember listening to it, and the second time I was watching it, it finally dawned on me. They they literally, it was five years, and in the first year, they went $38 million. The fourth year, they had hit 400-some-odd million in sales, and the fifth year, they did $7 million. It literally collapsed that hard. That's a He-Man one, right? Yeah, yeah. and toys can be that fickle. You can it's actually true. lose it that quickly. Yeah, and I mean, you've you got about a five-year span for the you know life of a, a toy in general. So uh, that, that would make know, sense. A toy franchise. Toy yes. So it, it's... But it, also, you know, he mentioned the fact that you couldn't find He-Man and Skeletor and right. Man-at-Arms... The, the originals were... They, by, they, by year five. They, they, were, they were not putting them out. Yeah, you know, the... the, the you know, the company is putting out, or the, I should say the, the manufacturer was putting out... Moss Man. Tons of all these buzz new off. figures, but he, people he that wanted to off. get into it that and that bitch she she killed him 
<laughs> that was funny. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to take us off on that, but God damn it, I just love that fucking episode. But what you <laughs> said about you know, what you yeah. said about toys, mm-hmm. it I think that uh, I don't know. It's amazing that Transformers went as long as it did. Sure, really. Yeah, it had a good, <clears throat> about a ten year span yeah, in there where it that's was, actually a pretty good yeah, run for, for a for a toy line. For yeah, a, for for anything right that's doing a shitload of sequels. Sure, that's actually pretty fucking good. But then, but then, but then, once again, you don't have that. You don't have that really old brand. That I wonder if there's anything to that theory. Now, we mentioned the DC extended universe there for a little bit. Mm. Do you think that has a more potential going forward? Now that they've kind of brightened it up a little bit, and Zack Snyder's vision of it moving forward is kind of going on the back burner. You know, with the success of like. Wonder Woman and and the the retooling of Justice League. They're already talking about. They're already talking about. I just uh, thought of a property. Sorry. Yeah, okay. Okay. Doctor Who. Yeah, that's ongoing. An, that's old. that's ongoing. Yes. And that's an older brand. But but that's so identified with television. Sure. And then the other thing too is forget in the late eighties, it fizzled out. Doctor Who like exactly. was off the well, air from the late eighties to I wanna say two thousand, I think. Like late eighties, early nineties. I'm trying to remember when the final episode with Sylvester McCoy happened. Because I remember my uh my friend Malin that I went to high school with was able to get some videotapes of those shipped somebody shipped him some from England because those episodes weren't available here in the US at all. And and they were not the best episodes. I mean it, it literally kind of was losing itself, and then it went away for several years, and then they tried to bring it back with the TV movie uh, starring Paul McGann, and then it did fairly well as a TV movie, but they didn't feel like there was enough interest to continue it as a TV series when it was technically a backdoor pilot they were trying to yeah to but, get at this co-production. But eventually they did recover. But yes, it, but it took about a decade, though. Because it wasn't that, until uh, was it oh five when? Uh, but if anything, I'm I'm wondering if maybe that doesn't add a little something to what I'm trying to talk about because that was old enough mm-hmm. and had enough behind it. Because by the late '80s, you're talking because wasn't it early '60s? It was already not quite thirty years, but it was over twenty. Uh, right? Yeah. It uh, wasn't a heart now well, in the 60s. Yeah, the fiftieth anniversary was. Doctor Who, 1963 to 1989, and then 2005 to present. Okay, so 63 to 80, that's already, that's Uh, already kind of what I'm talking about in an old continuing brand. Yeah. And so, and and they actually did come back. They actually did stick with it. So, so, I don't, well, here's the thing between, the difference between that and DC and Marvel is Doctor Who is one character. Right. Yeah. yeah, where sure. you, you can't build a cinematic universe around one character. They've done a little bit with right. like Dorchwood but, and K9. But they you, built a television universe. Yes, a, te- a television universe. Yeah. And those shows, did, aside from Dorchwood, haven't done all that. There well. is one character that they kind of have a universe on. The key is to reboot with a new actor every cycle, James Bond. Sure. Right. Oh, yes. Right. Because th- that is that is an older property. The books go back to the late fifties, mid fifties, but you know they solve the problem of freshening it up by just you get a new Bond every few years and you 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 run through another cycle and 
and that's a, that's definitely a brand that's got some heritage behind sure, it. Sure, but again, I, it's so character centric. You could it have a, fair, a Felix it's, Lighter series. It's, it's you James have a, Bond. It's yeah. James Bond movies. You can it's have a Monty James Penny. You do it. They do it in comics and do it well. I was gonna right. say, yeah, I was gonna say because I remember there was a uh, like an M. Uh, or excuse me, a Q side story, and at some point, it, it uh, was like a comic or something. Oh that yeah, was and, just and right a, now there's a Monty Penny series going on right now. That's uh, I think Ellis is writing one of them, but I don't think it could be a, a film, right? And yeah. Transformers didn't do a franchise thing like Marvel or DC where they did, but they are now. characters, right? Yeah, starting December is the Bumblebee movie. Well, you could but do that, a cinematic universe around League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. You could do. Various movies with various and they're 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 in public the, rights ca- domain characters. If, if you and could then do a successful version of it, maybe because yeah. you know they've they've tried it. If you, it well, yeah, but no, they, no, they yeah. say they they jumped tried around it with a couple them. of times. They did it with the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yes. movie. Thank you. Wow, it's tough. Um, it's but I'm saying you do you do it you do a uh, quarter main movie and then you do uh, uh, you do yeah um, yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, a Mina Murray Mina movie. Mina Murray movie. And, and, and I, I Jekyll see, High. Is, they've I, done a lot of Alan. They've some crossover and stuff. I know, the Quartermain movies. They've done movies. a lot of Alan Quartermain movies I, with I, several different actors. I see what you're saying with this, but doesn't it go back to the same issue that we have with the King Arthur universe? See, there's not enough distinct characters in the King Arthur universe. You, We know them because we're huge geeks, but the general public doesn't know it. But the general public has a good grip on Dracula. The general grip yes, on- that's true, actually. They know more, but even Mina Harker more people are going to be aware of than say Sir Gawain or uh, Parsival or you know maybe even Galahad that's actually a good point mm-hmm. that also kind of like runs into you know my theory of how they should do the mar- the, the universal monsters mm-hmm. Is you, Van Helsing make him the linchpin right but uh, I like oh. that idea though mm-hmm. the Van Helsing yeah I mean you know it, conceptually the Van Helsing movie was not a bad idea at all. The exec, the, the exec, Stephen Summers really went happy crazy. Yeah, you know, with the movie, but conceptually, I, I it was it was a great idea. And the performances of the the actors were it was, were good. It was it was fun. Yeah, it went off the rails. Fun, sure, but it was fun. But if you know, and certain concepts, I really liked what they were almost doing with Frankenstein's monster. And stuff like that. It, it was just like, oh my god, this is so close to actually. So, so it, it's a good idea. It's a really good idea, and he, it could actually be. Something. And I liked how he was hunting like a minor character. Uh, well, not really minor at the very start, Jekyll and Hyde. Right, right. Yeah, and it's just like you know, the one thing there is that now it's kind of funny because we're now be starting to create categories. It's almost Bond, right? The Van Helsing movies about Van Helsing, whereas we're talking about. Uh, linking the Universal monster movies, so that they could each have their own movie right. going forward. Right, and and Van Helsing is not quite, but sort of the Nick Fury or exactly. Tony Stark. Yeah, where he has his own movie, he is a hero, but also he's the one that's behind the linking of the movies. Hmm. You know, his his he's the framing device, if you will. Although that's a clunky. Uh, you could also, if you didn't want to stick in the same time period, you could do the whole. Van Helsing families you can do set them in different time periods and have different actors playing the Van Helsing you know what would be fun to do that fucking A do that concurrently too yes sit there and you put out your Dracula movie and next year you're going to put out your Frankenstein movie but somewhere in there you're doing your 1950s Creature of the Black Lagoon movie 
Although Guillermo actually already did yeah, that. Yeah, he did but, that already. Uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's a you know, bad example. But, you know, something like that, just really... Oh. But see, now you're getting so deep, it's like, well, fuck, let's just do a Van Helsing uh, Netflix series. Let me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to stop you there. Let's, let's take uh, uh, Shape of Water. Mm. A, by all accounts, an amazing movie. Yeah. If that was the first salvo in a universal expanded universe, mm. would you be interested in that expanded universe? I, dude. You don't. I don't even need to see Shape of Water. You say Guillermo del Toro is the the movie equivalent of showrunner for a Universal Dark Universe franchise. Wasn't he original? Yeah, and then <laughs> you know, and fuck, fuck, because that that's it. That's your answer right there. I mean, Shape of Water proves the man could actually do something incredibly interesting with those concepts and make it appealing, just like Pacific Rim. Oh, <laughs> uh, somewhere Paul just got angry. That's a great movie. I don't care what he says. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. Cause, I'm cause, looking forward yeah, to the sequel. So am I. Because the existing expanded universes that we have, the uh, DC universe, uh, aside from Marvel, and the uh, Universal MonsterVerse, that's the direction they seem to be going now, mm. where they're not putting the group together. Now they're just doing all the individual movies to see what sticks. Yeah. That's that's why they're doing Aquaman. That's that's kind of how Wonder Woman already is. So that's what we have going forward with both of those properties. I I don't know about DC, man. I when Jeff asked before, I didn't even get to answer it. But I'm I don't know. Well, I think I'm I'm seeing Wonder Woman as being successful, Mm -hmm. and everything else is just because they're so they're so plagued. Yeah. With troubles, right? You, I mean, you can't even get a, a firm answer as to whether or not Affleck is going to continue as Batman or not. And in my book, Affleck was their best hope for any kind of stability uh, after Wonder Woman. It seems like it to from you know outsider looking in. Obviously, it yeah. seems like with the bat with the Batfleck thing, it's like he wants to do it, but it seems like they keep trying to take everything that he contractually was able to gain to do that character away from him. So maybe it's coming across like he doesn't want to do the character anymore mm-hmm. when it's really more of a corporate management thing at Warner Brothers right. that's sort of forcing him out. And that's, you know, that's too bad. I mean, because Gal Gadot is great, and she's a great representative. So having her, having, and, and not to mention the irony and the richness of the irony of Wonder Woman is the core of the DCU. That would be that would actually be awesome in my book. Well, it I, definitely I have, I, it I, definitely influenced the way that uh, they redid a lot of Justice League. Yeah, yeah. So. But at the same time, if, if Batfleck was going to be in there too, that would give it a lot of strength. Mm-hmm. And he's not there. You you got the 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 rotating door for the Flash directors, and it's it's just it it you know I. I'm not as passionate about DC as Steve is, but it, it, you know, at the same time, I love superhero movies, and I wish, I would wish the franchise so much success. I mean, I, me personally, because I am, you know, as passionate about DC as well, not as Steve. Steve is, is anyone? Steve is a, is a, on a whole nother level. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, I'm actually 
waiting to see what they do with Momoa in the, the Aquaman I'm movie. Definitely looking for. I think that's going to be your your linchpin about whether they go forward or not. That's, even though they already right. have Wonder Woman two right. in that's, the works. I think that's very true. Whether they try to continue any justice, if Aquaman goes anywhere, yes, then then they'll then they'll either will or won't have their justice because yeah, continue. it definitely seems like Warner's is kind of taking a wait and see approach. They mm-hmm. don't want to commit to anything. Until they find out what happens with uh, with Aquaman, because it feels like they're the well, we had a huge hit with Wonder Woman. We know a sequel is going to do well. Let's see if these other characters are able to stand on their own. Because yeah. I I thought his portrayal in Justice League was really good. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed. I mean, it. I, agree. I mean, I enjoyed. I, it. I, I like been watching him. Stargate Atlantis a lot lately, and I'm like sitting here going, why are people so critical on this guy? He plays the character as the character is designed to be played. I mean, and and, and even when you watch, I think was it three seasons, right? That he was on Atlantis as Ronan. Uh, right. I think he came in in season three, and it was at three, four, and five. Yes, yeah, I remember like correctly. Yeah. Anyway, you see how that character grows because he's very gruff and very, you know, kind of standoffish in the in that first season. He's not, you know, he's not embracing of the uh the humans from the milky way that are there he's not he's he's allied himself with (laughs) them but he's not part of them and then he slowly becomes part of that family moving forward and then you see that he really truly truly grows to care about these people and is willing to put his life on the line for them so i don't see that kind of portrayal out of a lot of actors and you could see like the emotional expressions on his face, and well, he while played, he's still kind of playing that nonchalant attitude, but then when things get serious, you can see that he really cares. Like you know the, you know the the sudden hug that's unexpected for somebody that's possibly dying, and then walking off screen because he doesn't want to, you know, break his macho man visage and so forth. So I mean, it's I don't know. I just think he's unfairly judged as being. Well, he plays Ronin perfectly because yeah. he, it, it basically Satitans are a warrior culture. Yes. So he plays it perfectly. Yeah. Just the way how he does it. Stiff as iron, gruff, everything. Honor. But, but you would agree, right, that he yeah. grows in that character. Yeah, he does. I wouldn't say softens up, but definitely becomes, you know, realizes he's part of a family now. And then, um, like I said, I, I think in Justice League, he was just fine. I, I, I actually thought he did a really good job with that character because that's not a super popular character no <laughs> i mean you know it's it's a difficult character robot to chicken i'll tell you that right <laughs> especially after like super friends it's a difficult character for a lot of people to embrace because <laughs> it's always kind of a side character <laughs> and even get, in the comics then you get, then for you get a long Neymar, time. the submariner and he's right. like one of the most popular characters i don't understand yeah is he? Neymar's Did you popular? Really that? No. He, he's up there. No. Yes. But then when they kind of rebooted the character in the comics, Aquaman became kind of cool, even though he's still kind of seen as a eh character to a lot of DC fans. So I want to go back to this new thing, Neymar's popular. <laughs> <laughs> Playing Marvel heroes, people are always like, well, I want my Neymar, Neymar this. Just by observation, like the chat and everything, Neymar was... A guy people wanted for some reason. Is Namor more powerful in the game than it's, he is? And I don't know. I don't. I think Namor is deep geek Marvel universe stuff. Fan, uh, fan, uh, Fantastic Four villain, then kind of anti hero after that. Right. 
I I think if you went to fifty people on the street, forty nine of them would say, "Huh?" If you said, "Who's Namor?" Okay. Damn it! Yeah. Now I have the Super Friends theme stuck in my As head. well, you should. You and, deserve it. Yeah, and, he, and I have to fact check in that Namor existed. You know. 25 oh, years yes. before Fantastic yeah. Him and Four. Certainly, Torch. but, but yeah. that's what people know him as. In yeah. timely right. comics. Um, yeah, his power level tends to vary. Yeah, depending it, it, on which iteration you yeah, get. Yeah, because uh, there, there are points where if he's in the water, he can actually stand up to the Hulk. So, yeah, but, you know, it depends on, on where exactly he's at. And, at, and who's at, riding him. And at one point, they build him as a... Uh, Bruce, you know, come on, get in the bay with me. Marvel's come on, Bruce, please, please, yeah. please. <laughs> oh, stay on beach. Yeah. Fuck you, uh, 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 Fuck you, Hulk fish hate man. Oh, fish man. Water wet. It get everywhere. <laughs> um, yeah. Not like sand. Yeah, <laughs> As he caresses Namor's arm. <laughs> oh, this is going weird. <laughs> Bruce Skywalker. Bruce Skywalker. Yeah. Darth Namor. Darth Ooh. Mariner. Darth Mariner. I like, the, I like Darth Namor better. <laughs> yeah, he's, 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 he's. What's your Darth Namor? Write to us. Comments at UglyCouchShow.com. We only got through news you don't give a shit about. God damn yeah. it. We didn't get We really rabbit hole. Not even yeah. one article? Nope. Damn it. Uh, <sighs> the... Yes, there you go. There's your article. It's that's a little definitely time, right? an article. It certainly is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> and until next week, I am Master Torgo. 80s Jeff. Commander K. Pack Jack Dandy. Namor the Submariner. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. The Canadian Submariner, eh? <laughs> I swim around all the lakes and bays, eh? <laughs> I gotta go dive into the bay. <laughs> all right. If I can find it, yeah. this episode will end... With uh, my cover of You Light Up My Life by Debbie Gibson, my punk cover that I did on a dare from somebody at Star Trek. They Wait, did you say it. by Debbie Gibson? That sh- I sure did. Yeah. I like wow. her version better. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I just got really disappointed. And if you can't find it, it's oh. just Super Friends again. <laughs> so, so if you're listening to it, it's, it's, it's a demo, so it's all choppy. But uh, the, the Debbie Boone thing, we'll go here at the end, beginning to end. But if cool. I can't find it... How about the Debbie Reynolds version? You, you'll, you'll know, because I started this episode with a bit of it, and then I'm going to end it with the full. It, but if it didn't start with some uh, Debbie Boone punk, then I couldn't find it. So we'll go with Debbie Does Dallas. Sure, why not? And Debbie Winger. Debbie and d- little Debbie. De- Debbie does little Debbie. Ooh, little, little Debbie. Debbie. Little yeah. Debbie. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, that's, uh, that's the a, snack food that's just a few polymers away oh, from being Lego. Oh, I can, <laughs> I can go for some little Debbie right now. Uh, oh, whoa. Easy. Oh, I Careful. Can, I'll take four Viagra for a Swiss roll. <laughs> <laughs> Sit by the window Waiting for someone to sing me her song So many dreams I kept deep inside me Alone in the dark But now you come along And you light up my life You give me hope To carry on You light up my days And fill my nights Never again 
to be all alone And you, light of my life, you give me hope To carry on, you light up my days And fill my nights with song Now you, light of my life, you give me hope To carry on, you light up my days Stop!